0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie Dechelle from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. You know, when I was growing up, I hated I hated uh, fighting battles or doing things where there were no stakes. In uh, anyone anyone know what I'm talking about? Stakes where you just play a game, and at the end of the game, nothing happens. So, whenever we would play tennis, what would happen is. We would always make sure that the losers would line up on the tennis court like this. And the winners could slam balls right into the backsides of the losers. That would get me to want to win. But if there was none of that at the end, I never wanted to win. Because what do you do when you win? You just stand there and say, I won. There's just not enough glory. And, and, uh, and you, you, you meet those people sometimes who, who they, you know, they say, I just won. I just beat that PlayStation game. I went to the last level and I crushed the entire game. Well, what happened? Nothing. Did you get given $10,000 grand prize? No. Did you get a special call from the PlayStation company or the game company and say, well done. You crushed our final level. No. So I, I, I would hate us to fight a battle that at the end there is no eternal consequence. At the end, when we, when, when we say, God, this is what we've done. And God's like, well, there is no reward for that battle that you fought there, Tom. And so we've got to look at the battles that we're fighting today. And I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, are you rising up to the right battle? You see, we've had so many prophecies over this nation. That says, Zimbabwe will rise, right? We're the last on the list of nations, but the... Come on, guys. I need some help here. Let me try this side. We're the last on the list of nations, but we're the first. Maybe I need to teach you guys. We're the first in what God has for, for, for this season. That's, what, that's the prophecy that Pastor Tom was given. And how many of you know that we all need to rise together if we're going to get to where God wants us to? Right? So turn to your neighbor and say, I need you to rise in order for me to rise. I can't have you stay down where you are right now. How many of you know that the Bible says that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith? The worst thing to do would be to take the pen away from Jesus and start writing your own story and try and author your story. And I think we can do that sometimes when we don't feel like we see what God has got for us actually in reality. When, we, when we're waiting anxiously instead of patiently, we try and take the pen away and start writing and craft our own story. And Pastor Tom said this morning that we've got to win the battle in the courtroom. We've got to, we've got to justifiably put our case before the enemy and before God and say, this is my battle and this is my win. This is my area where you've called me to reign and I want the plunder. But how many of you know that in a court case, and those of you who watch different court movies, Fixer, I don't know, a few other things, I know know a few of my youth guys have watched that before, yeah? But when you watch those movies, what happens is when the enemy, when the accuser knows that he's going to lose, he offers a settlement. Don't settle, rise up. So I I was driving down uh, Bardale Road, and I was being a good citizen. But then I looked in my rearview mirror, and I saw a motorbike coming right behind me. And it was a policeman. And he had a very angry face on. And he pulled in front of my car, and I had my kids in the car. I was taking to music lesson. He pulled in front of my car, and he banged the car, and he said, stop right now. So I stopped. I didn't do anything, and he came to my window, and it was great because, you know, um, the cops in Zimbabwe they can be funny sometimes, right? You can chat with them, and they'll listen to you, and you can tell a joke. And uh, so he 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 opens up his, his his helmet, and he's got this this um uh, this like lid over his helmet, and he keeps talking to me, and he says, "You sir did not stop at the stop sign," and then his helmet goes like this. <laughs> And I said, no, I, I promise you I did. Um, and I've got witnesses in the car. And then he said, no, you did not stop. And then it came back down again. And so it was great because I was like half laughing, half like concerned. And then, and then he says, hey, my kid's in the back of the car. And I said, hey, um, I don't know what's going on here. I did not stop. And I, I think you're being a little unfair. And then he says, "He says, do you think I'm being corrupt? And then boom, back back down. And I was like... So he was mad because his authority was being stopped by this helmet. You know what you know, the words didn't hold enough weight because of that. And I think that got him more angry. So he said, You need to follow me to the police station. Anyway, I went to the police station. I knew that I had not stopped, right? I sorry. Yeah. I knew that I had stopped. I, I I knew that I had stopped, right? And my kids are in the back. I carry on going, and, and I follow this guy all the way to the station, and, and, I, and while I'm on the way to the station, he's behind me, yeah, he, he was behind me, and I, and I was like, you know what, I can probably just dodge away real quick, but then I would have been under a, a worse court case than the one that I was currently in. So anyway, I get to the uh, police station, and they empower my vehicle, right, and they take me into this, like, little room. And my kids are in the back of the car, and my daughter starts writing a song about dad going to prison. <laughs> so, because Pastor Taz came and, like, helped with the situation, um, and at least began to help. And my daughter literally writes this song. She's like, my dad is going to prison, and Pastor Taz is going to save him. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know where else in the world that little daughters write songs about their dads going to prison. We live in a special country. And so, I'm looking through this, and and, and anyway, it ended up being, I was there for four and a half hours while we contested this matter to the point where the accuser was saying one thing and I was saying something else. Every single part of my body, my kid was throwing up in the car, there was so much going on, there was no compassion from these people. Um, And... I said, listen, guys, I need to get home. And they said, well, that depends on, you know, how quickly we solve this. And I was like, okay. And then the guy, I was reading my Bible, it was weird. And this guy showed me a picture. Uh, He said, go to this scripture. I can't remember what it was. But it was actually the scripture where it says, and you will pay every single cent to the last penny. And I was like, the nerve of you, mate. But anyway, what I'm saying is, when you know you're right, And the accuser comes against you. And he knows that he is wrong. He will offer you a settlement. And that settlement will inhibit you from going to where God's called you to reign. And let me say this. I feel like many people have settled in Zimbabwe. I think we've... And I'm not saying the church. None of you here. But I feel like many people have settled because it's just been too tough. It's been too hard. The accuser is so strong. And the settlement package... Becomes very enticing. Turn to your neighbor and say, do not settle, but rise. <clears throat> Again, when I say we're looking at the battles that we're facing, what are we rising to? There was a stat the other day that I read um, in an online article that said 15, 50, 0 percent of teams, teens think they're going to be famous by the age of, age of 25. That's what, they, that's what their goal of reigning is. What has God called you to reign to? You know, I look, at, I look at the young people in our church and let me just say this. We have an amazing leadership in Pastor Tom and Pastor Bonnie and the leadership here because they're constantly pushing the next generation to rise up and to reign. And I appreciate being in a church that really does focus on pushing the next generation. Right now, as we speak, our youth team are in, I think, 14 different schools around the nation. Our cross-culture team... Our cross-culture team is in almost every major university in this nation, now looking into Mozambique and into South Africa and Botswana. There's a young people's movement, and it's relentless. But the enemy will always want us to settle where we feel like it's too tough to fight. The accuser, church, knows that he's lost the case. And the accuser knew that when he came to Jesus to ask him to settle. Remember when Jesus was tempted? The accuser knew. He knew his fate. He could see the Son of God. He could see that Jesus was here to crush the head of the serpent. And what happened? He said, I'm going to offer you a settlement package. You see all this? You can have this. Why don't you perform your miracles now? You can have all of this and reign over this. But God said, no, I am not reigning in a settlement package. I've got the reign of the entire world That I have to go to. So here's my thing is where do you feel like you could be settling in your reign today? Because God wants every single one of us to rise up. Look at this. Look how cool this is. When you settle, you stop fighting. Zimbabwe, we can't stop fighting. Zimbabwe, we cannot stop fighting for the next generation. Let me say this. When you start reigning properly in Jesus, you're always looking to reign and to help lift up other people in the next generation. And and if you're wanting to reign as someone, if you feel like, well, I'm kind of part of the older generation, part of your reign is to empower the next generation. If you're part of the young generation and you're saying, well, I feel like it's my time to rise, part of your rise is to honor the previous generation. Because we have to have unity, because we can't rise if there's no unity. We can't rise if there's no respect and honor between different generations. Ephesians 2, verse 6. We were made alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our trespasses. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up. Everyone say, raised us up with Christ. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ. In order that the coming ages he might display the surpassing riches of his grace. Demonstrated by kindness to us in Jesus Christ. Do you know that you are part of God's demonstration of his reign? Your authority comes by who you're sitting next to. I'm going to say that again. Your authority comes, your reign comes from who, by who you're sitting next to. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. We're either in the heavenly realms or in the earthly realms. And this is to the Ephesian church. This is not to people who are dead. It's not when we die, we just go sit there. <laughs> this is now. You are seated next to God who has all authority on this earth. Isaiah 60 says, Arise and shine, your light has come. But it says that there's a flood of darkness that will cover the earth. But how many of you know that when there's a flood of darkness, God combats that with a flood of light. You are part of that flood. You are part of that wave that rises up over the darkness and crushes what the darkness has in store. And let me say this, God never tells us what's coming without telling us what to do. God never went to Noah and said, By the way, Noah, This whole earth is just going to be flooded, baby. There you go. He said, there is darkness everywhere. My my flood will crush the darkness. But here is the strategy on what I want you to do. Many of us stop when we see the darkness. Or we stop when we see the flood. And we say, there it is. There's what God is doing. Praise be to Him. We don't tap into now, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do to be part of this light? What do you want me to do to preserve my family and the people around me? Whenever God shows us what He's doing, He always gives us the strategy on how to do it. And I'm going to show you how this works. I want you guys to turn with me to Mark 10, verse 20. This is a story about the rich young ruler. And it's amazing because the Bible says rich young ruler right not just the rich ruler and I think the young referred to this immaturity that he had because there were rich men in the bible Zacchaeus he was a rich old man maybe Barnabas was maybe a rich old guy but he says specifically the rich young ruler let me say if you're young in this place there's a way that God wants you to rise and it's not through rebellion, it's through submission. Mark 10, verse 20, and he says to him, Jesus says, He says to Jesus, Hey, Jesus, how do I enter into the kingdom? How do I do more? How do I do more? Whenever you're asking what to do more, we haven't realized what Christ has already done for us. What have you done? He says, I've done everything. I've done everything. I've kept all the commands from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said, One thing you lack go, sell your possessions give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me but at these words he was saddened and he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property now I want you to think about this picture this with me here's a man who has earthly rulership he is reigning in his earthly capacity he's a he's, he he may be even a king but we know he's a ruler so he's reigning He's very excited with his seat on the earthly trading floor, or on the earthly courts. And he comes to Jesus and he says, I want, I want to rise up and reign. I want to do a little more. And he says, in order for you to sit with me in my throne, I need you to give up your throne. And it was amazing because we give God all the praise and honor and glory In Jesus' name, we thank you, God, for your kingdom has come. So, this rich young ruler says, I cannot give up my throne for God's throne. And one of the things we have to look at is, it wasn't, you know, Jesus didn't treat every rich man like this. Zacchaeus, he said, hey, let's just have dinner. And then Zacchaeus was prompted to do his own thing. This rich young ruler, there was something in the way between his reign on earth and where God wanted him to reign in heaven. Where, What is between the, your throne on earth and where God wants you to be seated in heaven? Because it's not through good works. It's through our acknowledgement of God's lordship in our life to say, I want something that's higher. I want to rise up to the way that you see me, God, and not... My justification on earth. Turn to your neighbor and say, What's hindering you to your rise? You see, this rich man, he was transactional, not relational. And the test is different for each one of us. There's a different rain that God wants us to tap into, it's a heavenly rain. It's a rain that when you walk into a room, you can feel God's presence. It's a rain that when we walk into the room of earthly leaders, God gives us prophetic utterances that we can speak and change their lives. It's a rain that when we walk into a situation where there's sickness and disease that God gives us the access to authority that we can pray for the sick and see them recover. There's a, there's a, there's a new style. This person was so content with his earthly reign. He settled for earthly rain instead of heavenly rain. God got him, the, the enemy got him so comfortable on this earth. I've, re- I've got my property. I've got my throne. I've got my reign. I've got my posse. I've got my followers. This is me. God says, I need you to leave that because there's a better, higher reign that I'm calling you to. And he says, no, I can't do that. I like my place. I have settled. If the enemy knows that he's losing the battle, he will ask you to settle. And it looks good. You settle back down right where you're supposed to be, the enemy will tell you. Sit right back down in your throne. Enjoy your life on this earth. Don't give your lordship to anyone. Don't submit to those in authority over you. You see, the Israelites were happy to settle back to their earthly throne in Egypt. Remember that? They said, hey, Moses, why don't we just go back to Egypt? Let's just settle back there because we knew that we were comfortable. You see, my mom used to remind us as kids the prophecies that were spoken over our life. She, she, we, we, we'd come in from playing outside. We'd have a blood nose. She wouldn't look at the blood nose. She'd just be like, you're a man of God. <laughs> you need to speak to people. You're going you're gonna to rise up. This prophecy is spoken over your life that you will help lead generations. This prophecy is spoken over your life that you will not be the, you will not be uh, the tail, but you will be the head. Anything that happened to us, we'd come in and my mom would be like, I'm prophesying over you, son. We're going to remind you of those prophecies. Church, Zimbabwe, I want to remind us of the prophecies because God is calling us to rise up and reign according to the prophecies that have been spoken over us and spoken over you. So many people Will look at what their lives are at right now and say, Man, we don't want to get later on in life, 10 years from now, and go back and be like, I felt like there was so much more that God wanted to do. I felt like there was so much more that He wanted to pour out from my life and from my heart into this world. But I settled. But I settled in court because the accuser knew that we were going to win. Right now, the accuser knows that you are winning. The accuser knows that you are going to win. Do not settle, church. Do not settle for the position that the enemy says, this is your seat on earth. Do not settle because God has a higher reign that he wants you to come up to. I want to show you how this works. Many of you are like, well, Tom, listen, we've been through the run of the mill here. Look at this. Here's the thing. When we think about prophecies over your life, how do you relate to the prophecies over your life? When you think about what's been spoken over you, how do you relate to that right now? Because that determines if you've settled or not. Do you go, yeah, yes, I know God's working. I know he's working. I'm still speaking towards that. Or do we go, well, that was a nice thing that Bishop so-and-so said to me about three years ago. It was just very nice. It made me feel great. Rise up to the challenge. He's gonna pour out his spirit. The Bible says that in the end of days, Old men will see dreams, young men will see visions. And the prophetic will come alive so we know where to fight. Dreams and visions are prophetic. And the Bible says, look at this, look how amazing this is. Timothy, the Bible says, uh, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, please would you war according to the prophecies that were given to you? So often, church, we war according to other things. We war according to fame. We may war according to our earthly vessels, like the rich young ruler. We may war according to popularity. We may war according to just putting food on the table. But here Paul says, Timothy, I urge you, war according to the prophecies that were spoken over you. And if you're thinking about the prophecies with any form of passivity, the enemy has already offered you a settlement. Because so often we can look at Zimbabwe and say, We know God, you had great plans. We know that you declared your glory over this land. But we now look at it and go, Well, ah. Uh, I mean, it was nice, eh? Hey? But we've settled. We can't settle. We've got to rise up to the challenge. Young people, a lack of honor will cut off the prophetic in your life. If you're a young person and you don't have honor, you won't receive the prophetic in your life. Because every time someone tries to prophesy over you, you'll say, well, he's an old bully. If there's a lack of empowerment to the older generation, then we will stop the flow of what God wants to do as well. And so if you're in a position where you're leading young people, you've got to empower them to do what God has for them to do. You see, Peter says that in elevation, in due time, God will elevate you. It takes the pressure off. We don't have to strive for our own elevation. We have to wait for God to call us up. If the enemy can distract you from the prophecy, then you won't fight according to the right battle if he can distract you from the prophecy, then we will settle and we won't rise up and reign. We will just reign among earthly vessels. I said before, God tells us what's coming, but he also tells us what to do. Noah, the flood is coming. It's going to be great. It's going to be difficult to deal with, but the flood is coming. And I want to make sure that you rise up and reign because there's a whole world that I want you to reign over after the flood and that you're ready for it. Here's another thing. When you think you're going lower, God might be getting you closer. And I want you to catch this revelation because I felt like God showed me this yesterday. If you think about the story of Joseph, right? Joseph started where? With his father's blessing. Right up here, right? And Joseph had this I guess it was some form of a rain. It was some form of a rise. All his brothers looked up to him. He had this dream and it was prophetic of where he was going. I'm telling you, I feel, like, I feel like God has given us so many prophecies over this nation, so many prophecies over your life. And we've got to understand and go back to those prophecies. And then what happened was he got thrown into a pit, right? His brothers got jealous, And he's like, this is not according to the prophecy. I'm going to fight according back to the prophecy. So he goes into the pit. And we all know this, uh, the story. And then he goes kind of up a little bit. And he goes to Potiphar's house, right? Now Potiphar's house, it's a little bit of a rain there. And I think he could have done pretty well. Coming back to the prophecy, it wasn't exactly the prophecy. But he had a chance to settle. He had a chance to settle with someone else's wife. He had a chance to settle with a really good paycheck and a cool house. He had a chance to settle and he could have said, well, there's people under me. I guess I'm kind of reigning. But what does he do? He fights according to his prophecy. This is not what I saw. My brothers have to be here. God has called me to a higher place. So he fights. And then what happens? He gets lower to the dungeon. I mean, how much worse can you have when you have this amazing prophecy and now you find yourself in the dungeon leading dungeon people? It's like, I'm the leader of the dungeon. <laughs> Sounds like some crazy horror movie. And, and like, you know, he's got like a rat farm down there or something in the, in the prison, but, he, there, but there's nothing else. There's rats and there's other dungeon guys. So he's there and I think he could have settled too. Well, you know what? At least I'm reigning over the dungeon because he found favor, right? With authority. And he was raised up to a level. The Dungeonites. That's what he could have started. The whole ministry. So he's in it. And then, so it looks like he's getting lower. But where is he in the dungeon of? The palace. He's in the dungeon of the palace and look, all that has to happen is this. He's got to hold on to his prophecy because the entire time, if he would have let go of his prophecy and the prophetic, he would have settled for the dungeon reign. And he would have been like, well, this is where I am right now. But the whole time, how do we know that he he knew that it wasn't his end? He kept on telling people, don't forget me. Make sure you remember me. Don't forget me. God, don't forget us. God, don't forget what you've said. God, don't forget what you've shown us in the prophetic. God, don't forget what this generation will do if you can help us rise and get up. So, so 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 now, now all he has to do right now is do what? It looked like he was getting lower, but he was actually getting closer. All he had to do was to rise. God is setting you up to rise and the prophecy will propel you towards the right throne. The enemy will have these little thrones for you as you go up on your rise. As God's calling you up, the enemy is going to say settle here. This is good for you. I know that I am going to be defeated in court because I know my I know the end game. So, here's a settlement. Church, do not settle. We cannot settle. We cannot settle. And let me show you how this works too. I'm going to close here. Again, 1 Timothy 1.8. Timothy, my child, I entrust you with this command in keeping with the previous prophecies about you so that by them you may fight the good fight, holding on to the faith with a good conscience that some have rejected and shipwrecked their faith. You know what they rejected? They rejected the prophecy. They rejected the prophecies. We cannot afford to reject the prophecies. <clears throat> I believe there's going to be a new wave of the prophetic in this church and in this nation. I believe the prophetic is going to show people the heart of God. It's going to reveal God's heart to so many people. I believe we're going to now know how to fight. Let me tell you something. Uh, just a, just a. A prophecy of what happened in my life that helped me fight accordingly. Steady in worship. Some of you know the story. I was on this plane coming from South Africa and sitting next to two strangers. And if you know me on a plane, I don't like to talk to anyone on a plane, right? I'm like probably the least pastoral on a plane. I'll just sit and look out the window. And I'm sitting next to two strangers minding my own business. And all of a sudden, God just rocks me on the plane. And I just start crying. And I start, I'm like, what is going on, God? Why can't you do this when I'm in the prayer room? The prayer room's cool, but that doesn't happen all the time in the prayer room. And I'm here, and now these strangers are looking at me like, what is this guy doing? Like, what's wrong with this guy? Why is he just crying next to us? You know, I wanted to put my, hat, my head on their shoulders. But I felt like God showed me this vision of a stadium filled with young people, not just young people, but a stadium filled with people where a young generation responded to the new power of God, to the new oil of God, and they were running forward to, this, to, to the altar. They were just running with their hands raised, completely abandoned for Jesus Christ, completely abandoned. And, and I felt like God said, there's going to be a lighting and an activation of gift, gift of the prophetic, gift of utterances, gift of tongues, gift of things, where once, once, once they weren't there, all the prophecies were ignored that they're going to come back to light again. And it was like this fire starting in the hearts of people, just fire, 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 fire. And and so I saw, I saw, the, uh, I saw the vision pan back to the stage where there were different pastors from different, different places in the city just standing together as, you, as, as just one, one body, where only one name was lifted up, and that was the name of Jesus Christ, where different people would come out and speak declaration. And so I had this in my heart, and I was holding it. And part of me was like, God, I I don't know what this is. And so often we can look at those pictures that God shows us prophetically and we can say, well, that was nice. I'm sure you're doing that, Lord, behind the scenes. That's what's happening in the spirit. No, God wants to do that in the natural. God wants us to see that with our own eyes. But if we look at the prophecy and just say, well, that's just a nice prophecy and reject the prophecy, we won't act. We won't rise up and reign then I'm sitting next to someone else a few weeks later and he starts prophesying he says there's a stadium event there's a stadium event and this guy had to be obedient to, to, to speak the prophetic and he said and I just feel like there's going to be explosions explosions, explosions that's why we've themed it explosions of grace because we're not warring according to a good idea we're not warring according to just something that could be cool we're warring according to prophecy And God is raising us up to war according to prophecy in this church and in this nation. And so I want to tell you right now, be open to the prophetic. Be open to God speaking into your life to paint pictures that we will run with. When the enemy knows he's defeated, he will offer you a settlement agreement. He will make you think that it's just a good picture of what's going on behind the scenes. You may think that you're going lower but you're actually getting closer to where God wants you to rise up and reign. Remember what I said? God never gives you the prophecy without the strategy. What happened? Joseph gets called up to, palace, to the palace, sits with Pharaoh. No one has insight into this prophecy, into this vision. But, Joseph says, this is what's gonna happen. It's gonna be seven years of amazing stuff. Seven years of rubbish. That was the gift that God had given him, right? How easy would it have been for him just to highlight the prophetic and just step back and say, There you go, your dreams interpreted, sir. God gave him the strategy to carry out the prophetic. God will always give you the strategy to carry out the prophetic. And I'm going to prophesy right now that those of you who have been given signs, those of you who have been given dreams and visions, Lord, that you would grant us the strategy on how to do that, that we would be able to sit with kings and not just interpret what they're going through, but also have the strategy to counsel them. God, that your wisdom would prevail, that we would be seated right next to Jesus at the right hand of the throne of God, that we would understand everything that you were doing. And not only understand it, but be able to instruct. The wisdom of God will cause us to rise and reign. We will understand the prophetic, but God will give you the strategy as well. He will give you the strategy as well. I declare strategy in this place. I declare godly wisdom in this place. Some of you right now are seeing visions, and you've said, I don't know how I'm going to get there. I don't know how this is going to be pulled off. God will give you the strategy. You won't just stand by Pharaoh and say, this is what it is. You will say, this is how to do it. Lord, I thank you for your divine presence. God, we thank you that you are working in the hearts of men and women here. Lord, that this will be a prophetic season. That everyone will rise up and reign according to prophecy. Not according to what the world says reigning is. Not according to the accuser that gives us a settlement offer. But we will fight according to prophecy. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I I, I truly do believe there's many of you today maybe a few, that you feel like you're at the lowest point, that you're in the dungeon. You feel like you are at the lowest, lowest point you've ever been. I'm telling you right now, God set you up for a rise. God has set you up for a rise. It's amazing. It's amazing what God's doing in this season. The strategy that He's given us to, uh, to go out and connect with other pastors in the city has been incredible. Stadium Worship, we have over 100 churches represented from different leaders who are gonna be there on the night. Over 100. Uh, we have between 1,200 and 1,500 uh, volunteers from different churches all over the place the church or just the band I think has seven churches represented just in the band the choir members is going to be over 400 to 500 we have people all over from the nation saying we've heard about this what's going on God is doing something in the hearts of this generation and and and, and here's and this is just for free but here's here's what happened when we were thinking about the strategy we saw prayer and worship but we knew that we had to go to the leaders. Dr. McConey and I went to each leader, church leader as much as we could, face to face to talk to the leaders first, not just to the musicians. You see how that works. So we went back to the honor. We want to honor the cover of what God has given over us because here's the thing, if you just go after musicians, you could have a rebe- uh, just a whole rebellious attitude as well because that's I mean, that's that was, you know, patented in scripture. So we went to the authority and said, you identify the musicians because we want to honor you and your role in this city and your role in this nation. It's been amazing the united hearts that have happened. We've had prayer meetings behind the scenes with different young pastors, different old pastors together, praying together, crying together, seeing God move together. So what's happening at Stadium Worship is not just an event because unity doesn't mean people just gathering together. Unity means hearts knit to do something together. To carry out the strategy and the prophetic of what God is saying. So I want you to be expectant. Get your expectancy fire. Because God's about to do something amazing to shake this nation. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.